Good day, it's Thursday, it's sportsstars.ie and welcome here to Sportsstars Football, our weekly look at all matters regarding the big ball, whether it's in Ireland or Australia. I'm Darren Kelly and first we'd like to wish everybody a belated happy St. Patrick's Day. If you didn't hear any of our shows during the week, we hope you had a good day Wednesday. Yes, it's different. Yes, we're restricted. And yes, it's very, very hard. But hopefully... It's not for too much longer. We have to believe that soon we'll be back getting out and about, back going to games and back looking forward to watching football matches. We have a very, very big show for you this week. Coming up later on, we are going to be talking to the new Ladies Gaelic Football Association president, Michal Onyakdon. We'll be talking to Michal about his hopes and his ambitions for his four-year term. And we'll, he'll also talk to us about some of the big talking points recently, including split seasons, mergers, camogie, and that infamous game between Galway and Cork last December. That is coming up later on. Joanne Doonan will also be with us as we look ahead to round eight of the AFL Women's Series. We're down to the penultimate round. The ladder taking shape. Nobody's mathematically qualified yet. We'll talk more about that later on, including naming our Irish Player of the Week. So plenty to talk about. First, let's look at the news over the last seven days. As mentioned, Michal Knockdown. The new LGFA Uchtaran will be with us later on to talk about all those things. A player pathway programme announced this week between the GEA, the Camogie Association and the LGFA. A very important development, it must be said. It's mainly geared towards the club and participation, but it's great to see the three organisations working together. Of course, it's only a first step of sorting out things down the line, but every step is important. One person who was at that launch um, was Ficky Wall from Mead, the LGFA Intermediate Players Player of the Year. We'll be hearing from Ficky on this show next week. Ficky Wall from Mead, uh, one of the people at the Player Pathway Programme launch during the week. Moving along, great news here for Derry Ladies Football. A new kit deal with O'Neill's for four years. It's one of a number of announcements. Heron Brothers involved in Unrage as well. Very, very important. Look, at the end of the day, it's no secret that Derry have struggled at inter-county level in particular. Um, but you have to start somewhere. And there's been good work being put in at Derry Football at the moment. And we wish them the very, very best of luck with that. Because like any county in the country, you want to see fortunes turn for the better and if Derry can get more competitive now look when I say that results might have gone against them but they were close to winning All-Ireland junior title a couple of years ago so who knows what will happen we wish everyone there the very best luck also Intersport Elveries um, sponsoring the Mayo teams across the board we were given a, a press release on this before talking just about football but it includes uh, ladies football as well so brilliant news from Mayo again no different to Derry, even Limerick and Mogi. Mayo football seem to be motivated to make things better. Not saying they weren't better beforehand, but they're making things better. They're working hard. And great announcement this Elvery's there. Continuing their sponsorship of Mayo LGFA as well as Mayo football. Stephen Horry is the new leash under 16 manager. We wish Stephen the best of luck for 2021. We are confident there will be an under-16 All-Ireland Championship win. Can't give the answer, but Leash are putting all their names together now for the run-through-age teams. Big move in Dublin here. Keno O'Connor, former All-Ireland winning goalkeeper with the Metropolitans, has joined McBowen's backroom team for 2021. 
Needless to say, she will bring plenty of experience. One of the pioneers of Dublin football through the hard days got her All-Ireland in 2010. Missing out on the golden run they're having at the moment, but she will play a big part. And I've no doubt Kira Trance and everybody involved in goalkeeping in Dublin will be happy to see her involved. Dublin are determined to complete their drive for five this year. It'll be interesting to see, but we'll be following it all the way. And congratulations to Kleena. News from Galway. The rumour mill have been out there the last couple of weeks, but was confirmed at the weekend. Sinead Burke, two-time All-Star defender with Galway, has called time on her inter-county career. Sinead represented Galway for 14 seasons, won nine Connacht titles, two as captain. Um, has a tremendous success. She's from Uchtarard in Galway, is played for Killannan, uh, represented Ballyboat in St. Endes in Dublin for years, and won a county senior title with Armagh Harps up in the Orchard County last year. I don't think there's plans for her to draw a lot in with Armagh, but she's been a great servant to Galway football, and we wish Sinead the very, very best of luck in her inter-county retirement. Congratulations to everybody involved in Roscommon football as they finished their 100k for Roscommon LGFA. 6,200 kilometres were completed in total by everybody involved. And I want to give a particular shout out to John Fitzmaurice, who did 462 kilometres himself. That serious commitment to the cause, and well done, John. I always consider it a great achievement when I complete four kilometres, which I do regularly enough, I must admit. But 462, that is great going and well done to everybody involved in that. Just want to mention the FINA ladies in Kildare. They're having a fundraiser this weekend. 600 kilometres north to south challenge in one day. All virtual, of course. But if you're from Kildare, connections with the FINA club, please support them. Uh, as we've mentioned on Camogie shows and previous editions of this show, everybody doing their bit to fundraising different times and some unique ideas coming out and uh, well done to everyone in the FINA West Cork are the uh, West Cork Sports Star Team of the Year County Champions for the first time ever amalgamation of um, players from divisional clubs we've talked about the trials they're going through at the moment in regards to trying to defend their title but wonderful to see the acknowledgement I'll give you an exclusive here now. In the next few weeks, we can't give you the date yet, but in the next few weeks, we will be having Melissa Duggan as a guest on the Fair Green. So keep an eye out for that around the end of this month. Melissa Duggan from Cork, our upcoming guest on the Fair Green here on Sportstars. And finally, before we wrap up, I wish everybody a happy belated St. Patrick's Day. To all the mammies, happy belated Mother's Day. And I include my own mother, Josephine, and Dad, and of course my own partner, Sinead, mother of our children. Uh, happy belated Mother's Day to ye. I know my own family, well, I like to think that they were happy with their day out. But to all the mammies around football, camogie, Aussie rules, hope you had a great day and your family spoiled ye rotten. Look out, Modern LGFA social media, Isabel de Burka. It's a lovely tribute for all the mammies as well, and I think it's worth checking out.
So that's all the news regarding football this week. Coming up later on, we'll be hearing from Fermanagh All-Ireland winner and ex-Carlton player Joanne Doonan. As we look ahead to round eight of the AFL Women's Series, we look back at last week, we'll name our Irish Player of the Week, and we preview two big games coming up, Brisbane Lions against the North Melbourne Kangaroos, as well as the Fremantle Dockers, who take on the Melbourne Demons. That's coming up later on, but after the break, the new LGFA president, Michal Nocton, is with us. Talk about Donegal, his aims, his hopes, the 50, upcoming 50th anniversary, and he also addresses the big issues that have happened in recent months regarding Galway versus Cork, mergers, camogie, and split seasons. That's coming up after the break. Uktron, LGFA, Michal Nocton. I like listening sports stars because I like to listen to ladies football and ladies camogie. Now I'm delighted to be joined by new Uchtaran of the LGFA, Michal Nocton. And Michal, first, congratulations on your appointment and thank you very much for joining us here on Sports Stars Football. Thank you, Darren, and thanks to, to your listeners. Yes, you know, it was a very enjoyable weekend, you know, a, a weekend that I'm hugely proud of to believe in our association and not alone as a proud from myself, but also from a Donegal perspective and Ulster, that means Ulster president, and that's hugely here for us up in Donegal and Ulster. You're a gentleman that typifies everything LGFA from managing to committees you've served on too, but I suppose a year ago when you were elected in Loch Ray, it's a completely different world now, I, not just football-wise, for the one that you, ca- you came into in 2020 when you knew your election was coming. Yes, Darren, you're, you're 100% right. You know, nobody, you know, foreseen, like... March last year, I mean, was the last weekend that basically anything was open. We're probably lucky that Congress ha- had taken place, but nobody's seen what was coming down the road and nobody's seen the 2020 that, that we have seen. And as we have missed an awful lot in sports, Darren, that I mean, you, you know, and I mean, for people, I mean, but again, for the people that lost a loved one, I suppose it's a bigger loss than, than, than sports. And hopefully, please God, in 2021, we get back on the playing field again and we get people out playing sports. I mean, but I want to send on my sympathies to those that have lost a loved one in 2020. But lucky, I mean, Looking back on 2020, and you know, it's very hard to find positives. But if there's two positives that you would find from 2020, Betty was the, the, the importance of the club and the, and the club structure. And also, like like ourselves here, we're talking on Zoom today. But I mean, the, the, you know, the importance of technology and how, how technology has developed over the last number of years. And, and I mean, but also in the last year, how much people have come onto it. And now, as an organization, we were able to give courses to people sitting in their own living rooms. And I think that's, you know, a positive step forward out, out of 2020. And it's something that we will build on going forward in my term as presidency to give people more courses and you know they can do them and within the numbers basically you know if you ran a course in 2018 or 2019 you might be lucky if you got 15 to 20 people attending these courses in person but I mean on some of the courses we had online we had over 120 people so that just speaks volume that means there is an appetite there for people time is precious I mean if you can do it in your own home why not and hopefully it'll bring more people into our association and get more people to know about our association and be able, and be able to help our association going forward and it is like my get alerts every time this ladies football post something up on twitter and it's loads of different courses taking place every single day of the week and as you said it's given the lgfa have given the opportunity for people to develop their own training their own interest in the game through whatever means whether it's player whether it's a, a, an official a coach whatever the case may be there's so many options up there that i suppose if anything we probably appreciate what technology can give us now 
Yes, exactly. And you're, you're right in saying, I mean, you know, that's one thing I, I would say to anybody that's interested in the Ladies Gaelic Association. There's a, 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 a place and a part for everybody in our association. Let you be coming in at nursery level, basically to, to, to go games for, for, for mothers or, or, or basically, you know, you know, administration. I mean, there is a place, I mean, you know, our doors are open to me. We welcome everybody and the more people that we get involved in our sports, we'll maintain it and help it basically to, to develop it into, into the future. And, you know, I think these courses will be a huge plus in that because there's a lot of people feels they cannot do this or don't know how to do this or are they capable of it. But I mean, if they get the course online and show them basically, let it be a chairperson, let you be a secretary or let you be a volunteer or even a coach. And that mean, you know, there's courses there to, uh, to suit everybody. And I think that's important. I mean, the help and support is, is there. And we want more people to get involved in volunteers and coaches and, and basically to help our younger generations and bring them through that. Yeah, exactly too, because even a couple of years ago when I was lucky enough to receive a volunteer award too, I mentioned about working from the grassroots level and it defines what the LGFA have become, like the fastest growing women's sport in Europe, probably in the world. And even as you mentioned yourself, and five years ago you might have been, I won't say laughed at, but people put a question to you. It's very, very believable now that a full house for All-Ireland Finals Day could happen in the next four years. Yes, I, 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 and that would be our goal. And I mean, you know, this didn't happen by accident, Darren. I mean, and great credit has to go to our sponsors over the years and what I did for our association. And, you know, we had a slogan for 2020. And I mean, and, you know, the slogan was, if you can't see it, you, 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 you can you can play it. And that and that's very important. But I mean, you know, especially thank you would have to go to Little for the amount of sponsorship they have given and basically for promoting our games. And you just look at the ad at the moment on, on, on RTE, you know, Level the playing field, you know, had touch, you know, and accord with everybody at home and abroad. And I think it's huge for our association. And it, it basically, you know, it basically sums up our association as well. You know, that we, we want to level the playing field. We want to get to the top of that that hill. And that that's our goal. And if you look at 2018, you know, we had 51,000 in Co Park. 2019, we had 56,000. And, you know, that's down to basically Little and Tina G. And, and the, the Ladies Gaelic Association for all the tremendous work and advertising. And again, the promotion of our games. And over my next four years, I will want to see more of that development. And hopefully CRTE coming in and giving us more coverage as well. Because the more coverage we we get the more exposure that we get it's, it's what we'll do for our game and that and again Betty was working with the GEA and Kamogi you know and development the, a, a giant umbrella I mean you know it's, it's going to be huge for, for our association going forward and Michal, you're perfectly positioned to the comment on that because in 2010, you managed your county Donegal to an All-Ireland Intermediate title and you would have seen the difference in the crowds, the razzmatazz about All-Ireland Finals Day from say 2010 going to 2019 because understandably 2020 was different. Yes, Darren. I mean, and you know, that's what, that's what I was saying about our our association. You know, it's about you know, if you see it, and that mean you know, you want to get involved. I mean, two thousand ten was a huge turning point for ladies football in Donegal because basically, you know, the crowds that we you know came out to visit us, and basically, you know, it put ladies football. On the map, probably and Donegal going forward that, that 2010 All Ireland. But you're you're right, Darren. Going back then, I mean, you know what we we came to like Betty. You know we weren't getting in, into the county grounds then. We weren't you know getting into the centre of excellence. And Betty, you know, people start back up and people seeing that you know girls were putting in the same amount of time, the same amount of effort as men. I mean, and then Betty, you know, people start to appreciate it. We started at the grassroots level, at the club level, building it up, and you know the the one club structure which has been huge for our association, but now here like in Donegal and, and, and other counties now we're into the centre of excellence we're, we're getting in, in, into the county grounds 
now we're getting on before men's games and you know it's a huge huge plus for our association and that that's what it takes and hopefully we'll see more of that and you know my goal would be at, you know at county level at Bethy you'd have the ladies county final maybe on the same day as the, as the men but before at the court razor you know to, to the to the GS you know final so I mean that's that's Betty, you know, what we'll be looking at and dreaming at because, Betty, you know, the more that we get out there, the more people see in our sports and, you know, because anybody that sees it, you know, really enjoys it. It's a fast, open-flowing game and that. And, you know, again, there's some wonderful scores. I mean, and these girls have put in so, so much time and so much effort and, you know, they're putting in the same amount of training. So they deserve the, the, the same as everybody else. They certainly do indeed. Just keeping your Donegal hat on for a moment, Hall. of course, uh, you were back to get them promoted to Division 1 in 2016. They'd be knocking on the door. Some people, maybe myself included, have suggested they might have underachieved. Where do you see the Donegal senior team at the moment and can can they get over the line? Yes, Darren, you're right. Yeah. And probably, and I think I might have said it in one interview, I mean, I probably regret that I have that probably, I mean, in 2017, I, I became a county councillor in Donegal and I stepped back from Manage the Ladies. That year, as you remember, I mean, 2016, basically, you know, we won the Division Two title, I mean, and that, and then basically, 2017, we got to the National League title against Cork. And it probably was one of the games of the year. I mean, we lost to Cork by a pint. And, you know, I felt that we should have won that game. And, uh, the game. But I, I felt that, Betty, you know, we're on, on I mean, if we uh, stuck at another year, we probably could have achieved an All-Ireland. Uh, again, I think, Betty, Donegal have the calibre, they have the players there that mean, you know, it's getting back up again, you know, getting out there and the belief. I mean, Donegal are, are not, not far away. There's no, no doubt about that. They're probably one of the top four, four counties in Ireland at the moment. But I mean, it's all about belief. It's all about putting in work. And, you know, like the Corks and the Dublins have that bit of experience and, you know, they know how to win out games and that sort of stuff. And that's the extra inches and, and, and steps that we have to take in, in Donegal probably as a county to, to get over the line. Because, you know, it's, it's a basically of the saying, you know, winning games, you know, you have that little bit of belief and that sort of stuff. And when it comes down to tight measures and, and getting over the line, you know, the, the Corks and Dublins have that little bit more experience. And that's something and Donegal that you know we have to come that extra inch and I, I don't think you know we're far away and you know we'll we put it up to them I think this year if we get the opportunity be a great moment for yourself if it happens over the next four years but of course what is happening over the next four years as well Michal is the 50th anniversary of the LGFA a lot of people don't realise this is a very very young organisation that has made great strides that we've talked about already and you're going to be overseeing that in 2024 Yes, that I mean you know we came into inception in 1974. That I mean you know it's a, a young organisation, an organisation that has made huge strides. And you know I suppose great credit has to go to our CEO Helen O'Rourke and and, and the, the staff she's working under, and again to our clubs and the grassroots of our association. Because I mean with everybody working together, everybody pulling in the right direction, we have built this. And you know this is not about Michael Nelson or, or one person. I mean our association is a lot bigger bigger than that. And again you know. Know, it's a great credit to everybody that has it. I am just delighted. I, I am the president of this great association at the moment. And I'm well aware that many person that didn't get the opportunity that had done our association so much work and so much pride down to, to the years. And I, I want to rest assured them people that I, I'm here represent, representing them as well. But I mean, you know, 
2024 will, will, be, will be a big year for our association. 50, as you say, I mean, our numbers in, in the last de- decade, 50, you know, have overly doubled that. I mean, you know, we nearly have 2,000 members, at, 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 200,000 members at the moment. You know, we'd like to a- a- increase that. It's a work in, in progress. I mean, you know, we're, we're still not the finished article. There is still more to do. And, and, and we hopefully we keep at that, that basically make sure that we keep ladies football to the forefront and, 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 and basically Irish sport. And, and certainly that has been the case as well. And of course, as we mentioned about the forefront and the how big ladies football has become, of course, it brings its challenges as well. And, and as you don't understand, Miel, there's been a few talking points in the last few months. And I suppose one again that came up recently after Helen O'Rourke's report at Congress and Tim Rabbit, the former Goy manager respondent, was the I suppose the events surrounding the All Ireland semi final on December the sixth, which gave a lot of negative publicity to the LGFA. What are your thoughts on that? And what can be what can be learned from that to ensure that a situation like that doesn't occur? again yes darren you're right and i mean but i mean you know you we got to put everything and into context and you know as we said to already in our interview 2020 was no ordinary year i mean but that's not getting away from the point i mean there was no winners winners here to tell you tell you the truth i mean but look i mean you know if you if we think for one day that we have nothing to learn as association we're going down the wrong road. Of course, there's always stuff that we can do better. There's all, always stuff that, that, that you know, we, we, we can do better. And again, in relation to this incident, that I mean, it was a time of year, it, it was limited on time. I mean, unfortunately, you know, for everybody, it got such, it's such bad press for our association because, you know, our association, you know, we were very professional. We, 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 we set out to stride to basically give the best professional to our players, put them in the best pitches, put them in the best grounds and that. And unfortunately, this did, did happen. I, as you, Betty, you know, we alluded to 2019, Betty, was, was the first time that basically our All-Ireland semi-finals were in Cope Park. You know, if this was an ordinary year, our All-Ireland semi-finals were in Cope Park. But just come back to the day itself, Darren, unfortunately, I mean, you know, the, the pitch was frozen that. Again, Betty, you know, I mean, each each manager was spoken to, each county board was spoken to in, in relation to this. You know, they were given the option to move the game back. You know, we tried to work with them, make sure they're happy. You know, on the day, we felt that the bit, they were happy to go ahead, ahead with the game. And as an organisation, looking back in hindsight, you know, all the things you might have done different. But as far as a situation that we're in that morning and, and, and the time frame, that basically, you know, we felt that we, we did the best that we, we could have, have done. Again, as I say, I mean, the worst bit of relationship was a championship game. You know, we know in National Leagues, many times, you know, the pitch froze or the pitch waterlogged and gave the call off and there, there isn't much issue on it. Again, you know, the time frame, Betty, you know, if this was another day, it would be put back off. And, you know, the, the, and they were offered that the county boards and the managers to put the game back another week. But the time frame was very tight and they wanted to go ahead with the game. But, it, I mean, look, at, there is lessons to, to be learned. There are things we can do better and, 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 we, and we know that. And of course, it should be acknowledged as well that you had moved it from original dates. And I promise this is the last question I'm asking it. In hindsight, should the question have been asked about a half one start originally rather than the game being brought forward half an hour? And hindsight, and you alluded to there already, I mean, you know, this game was changed. This game should be on, on the two weekends prior to that because it was changed for the dual players and that for, for the Cork ladies because they they. they playing Camogie. So we, we, we moved, moved the game then. I, again, you know, I, I mean, moving the time back and I mean, I, I think that, you know, the question might have been asked, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but I mean, I know there was basically time with RTE and time, time you know, frames in relation to that. But look, I mean, you know, as far as I, I'm concerned, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to wipe it off the slate running, but I mean, you know, if we keep looking back, we don't move forward and, you know, as far as I'm going to say, I mean, here's to 2021, here's to a better year and here, here's to, to Betty 
well, you know, maybe the, the wrong that, that might have been there better in 2021. And that's exactly going forward now as well. And just two questions on that. Of course, as you mentioned, the game had to be moved from the original date. And there was something I commented on as well. So I'm asking the question directly. The Both the Camogie Association and the LGFA had their senior All-Ireland semi-finals booked for the same day. Is that something that needs to be avoided again? Because surely it's um, the two. It's not helping either organisation. I know we can't avoid all dual issues. I'm not su- suggesting that. But certainly that okay, that situation occurring led, to, led us both started a chain of events that ultimately put you in this position. Yes, and that mean, and you know, and that's Betty. You know, I want to build on the collaboration between the GA and Camogie, and I think Betty, you know, there is huge ground, and that's what I'm saying, and that's why Betty is important. That you know, because I mean, the, the biggest thing probably in relation to the collaboration is the fixtures, because it, it, I mean, we're all fighting nearly for, for, for the same pitches, we're all nearly fighting for for, 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 for the same grounds. That so it is vitally important, Darren. That mean, you know, that we don't have you know clashing of, of grains there. But 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 again, you know, that is something I I will work along along with Helen meeting these giant bodies and making sure that basically we don't have these problems going forward. And I think basically, you know, going together as association, these are the things that we will iron out. These are the things that will eliminate these problems in, in, in the future. Because it's important going forward that we have standalone dates for all, all these these games. And it is important as well the big occasions like that don't clash as you mentioned. What are your thoughts in the course? A lot of players now are coming out talking about mergers between the GEA, the Camogie Association, the LGFA. Do you think that this could become a dominant team during your term? And what are your is your opinion on it? Yes, and I mean, you know, I mean, you know, as, as I said, I mean, there's huge, you know, talks going on between the GEA and Camogie. And, you know, next week, you know, we'll be launching the Gaelic Players Pathway, which is a huge initiative between the three, 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 three parties and that. And again, I mean, you know, this is the, the way forward. And, you know, there's so much work going on behind the scenes that basically, you know, people people don't see or realise. And I, I definitely think in my term as president, you know, we'll be a lot closer. We'll be over the finishing line. That, that, that will be will be, be, be the big question but I mean you know there's a lot of things we have to think of there's a lot of things we have to get right because in the ladies association we have senior teams we have intermediate teams and we have junior teams and we have to make sure what's for the senior is for the junior team as well we have to bring all together we can't just go off with our senior teams and forget about our junior team the last thing that we want basically you know that we put pressure on county boards or clubs that basically they kind of you know to take part, I put teams out and that. So there is a bit, you know, a lot there that it's been done. There's a lot happening, but I mean, we have to make sure that we're all in it together and we're bringing all trouble at the same pace. Because, you know, you rightly see that, Betty, you know, the sponsorship that maybe some of the senior counties get and that, I mean, the junior clubs our counties are not getting the same sponsorship. And that's Betty, what we have to work with, Betty. It's level right across, across all teams. As you say, Michal, there is things to iron out. You've acknowledged that already in the interview too, but the three organisations can coexist if we can just iron out a few of these little issues that have come up over the last couple of years. Yes, I mean, and you know, like, as I'm saying, like, I mean, being before this bit, you know, if you got involved in the Lady Gaelic Association or you, you got involved in the GEA, you had to do different courses. This Gaelic player pathway now is basically, is, I mean, let you be a boy or girl coming through the club gates, you get the same coaching, you get the same training. And advancing on from, from, the, from the, the Gaelic players, then the, the, there'll be the Gaelic, Gaelic Coaches Association. So each coach will be trained, let, let you be dealing with, 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 with males or females, that basically, you know, they all get the same training, we all getting the same basically progression along along the way to make them the best that they can be in, in, in their sport and, and that, that's very important and I think Betty you know there is a number of things that we have to tweak there's a number of things that we have to get right and I'm hoping in my four years at President we'll have most of them sorted out 
Final one of those points before we wrap up, Hall. A split season has become another dominant team. Now, I know we can throw out the original uh, provisional calendar for 2021, but it was commented that there wasn't a split season in the LGFA. It, the GA have passed it now for 2022. Is this inevitable that it's going to happen? And should it happen as soon as possible? Or what's your opinion? Yes, I mean, and probably my start of my interview, Darren, I said to you about the one positive thing that came out with 2020 was the club. Mm. And, and, and that and I think Betty you know it was proven that unfortunately our fixture plan for 2021 will have to be, be, be torn up and thrown out but Betty when, when we had originally done that was the first time ever in the history of our association that we had standalone time for, for, for the club yes I, I, I can see that I mean I'm sure there will be more d- debates and uh, you know I, I can see Betty that definitely the club will always have a standalone period any fixtures plan going forward will it be a full split season that's the question that will be out there. I'm sure it will be debated again in, in the coming years. And if that's what, what the people and our association decide, well, I, I'd be only too, too happy to carry it through. Because I do acknowledge you did give a two-month club window and no inter-county training for one of those months. So you did give a period of time. But I suppose because the GA now are, are su- suggesting if the world is okay in 2022, that's going to be county and club, two separate windows. Is it inevitable that the LGFA will have to follow that road? As you're saying, you, you look at it, you consider it as you go along. Yes, well, I mean, you know, no more than the GA, no different in the latest association. Players were put under pressure. And the last thing we want, basically, is players not to be put under pressure. We also want to get the, the balance right between club player and county player. And, you know, every player, basically, you know, and you know, it's great to go on and wear the county jersey and represent your county. But, I mean, at the end of the day, the, you know, the club is the hub and that's where the heart, you know, starts. That's where you start off. And you want to play with your own girls. You want to play for your own parish. And, I mean, you, I mean, you know, you know, the club is very deep in the blood and that. So basically, those players, basically, you know, saying, oh, you cannot, you know, play with your club and you can't, you know, county wants you. And I think basically that kind of pressure will, will, you know, if we go for the split season, it can help players. And it can basically, you know, give standalone time for, for girls to play with their clubs and represent the clubs. And and definitely, I, I, I can see that coming coming down, down the road. I, I mean, because definitely, to be fair to everybody and to, to, to coaches, and that, but also to, to county boards. And it probably is a point that, you know, a lot of people are not talking about. But I mean, you know, for finance-wise, you run the county, Betty, you know, from January to December. And most of the money is spent maybe on your county teams. I suppose basically now that Betty more may be able to go back in, into your, your, your club teams and that because we all know what it's costing to run county teams and, and, and the financial strain it is. So definitely that's an issue that Betty would be a, a huge kind of positive well for, for, for county boards. Certainly we will watch with interest as well. Before we wrap up, Michal, you've mentioned already, we hope for a full house for all Ireland finally. I certainly would love to see that happen. Um, if I was to ask you one or two other things in particular you'd love to see happen over the next four years, what would they be? And that, well, definitely, as I say, I mean, you know, I, I want to make sure that basically we retain, retain our, 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 our county players, get more of our, our county players back involved in, in, in our association. I would like to see basically a, a closer emerge with the GEA and Camogie and that nearly over the line. Also, as I previously said, I want to see basically the use of technology and us building on it, the basically that we get our word out there. And of course, basically, the big one is basically, you know, it's the coverage of our sport. I mean, and to build our sponsors that, that we have and, and continue continue that in, into the future and, and get more visibility of our games and more coverage of our, our, our games leading to us basically having, you know, it's nice to have a full house in Crow Park, but I also I want to see that down at club level and, and our county finals that basically, you know, we're, we're getting the crowds out there because if it starts in the clubs and the counties, 
I've no doubt it would happen in Crow Park also. I like listening to Sports Dads because he has famous celebrities and I guess listen to him. Darren Kelly. So welcome back now. It's time that Joanne Doonan joins us again as we look ahead to the penultimate round of the AFL Women's uh, Series, round eight. Now, Joanne, again, every week we say it's taking shape, but while last week when we were talking, we, we were talking about the uh, margins of results. Uh, there were some exciting matches this week and some yeah. massive results. Oh, like, absolutely. Like, I think... There was a few, I think, even last week when we were trying to make a call who would come out on top that they were tight. But there was a lot even I was still uh, shocked over and even shocked at how other teams, I suppose, maybe you'd say didn't turn up or um, didn't play well. But uh, definitely uh, an exciting game for weekend. Every morning I was waking up and excited to kind of look at it. You know, it wasn't like last week with the hammerings, but um, no, brilliant game. Like you said, it's kind of. I suppose starting to take shape, but it's definitely next week's going to be, uh, the next two weeks, sorry, it's going to be very, very interesting uh, to see who kind of, kind of nabs them last, I suppose, fifth and sixth spots for the finals. So it's definitely going to be in for an interesting one. Let's get it said right now. Poor Carson. Oh, I can't. <laughs> Honestly, I clicked on and just, I suppose we're, seem to be leading the whole game and, you know, genuinely look in control. And then that just lasts that, you know, two goals nearly straight after each other and just kind of set them for back that it was just kind of too late at that stage to kind of crawl it back. But again, you'd be kind of looking like, will they be fit to pull it back even? You know, they're sitting at eighth place at the minute, you know. So they do have two very winnable games next. I think they've Suns and um, who was the last one, actually? I think it was Giants. You'd, you'd think maybe that uh, they would be fit to come out on top of that one but again you really just don't know don't you what way it's going to work but yeah I can believe the steal for it like all the results are up in sportsstars.ie but just to talk about Carlton Fremantle they finished Carlton 41 Fremantle 45 but with five and a half minutes to go Carlton were 14 points in front a game they needed to win because like uh, they're mathematically still in the race but really it's just mathematically now the door could open up but in two minutes the Dockers reminded everyone that they were title contenders. Oh yeah, and I think that kind of showed tenacity of the Fremantle players, like they just kind of didn't give up and I suppose we say here to the final whistle. Um, but I think uh, they were getting a lot of backlash, I think, with the paired press I heard this week that, you know, they're a very ruthless team and they seem to, you know, they do anything to win. And I think even when the, the Freo girls got the goal and, you know, was roaring up in the Carlton woman's face, you know, it's just, it's, it just kind of shows that just, uh, I suppose, how much it meant to them too. But, you know, they're, they're a ruthless team and, you know, they're not going to leave anyone if you're sleeping, if you're caught sleeping, they're going to punish you like so. Uh, I think that's exactly what they've done at the weekend. It was a massive result, probably the biggest result of the competition so far. Another big result, uh, Brisbane against Collingwood. The Magpies mm-hmm. finally beaten. Brisbane dominated this game. The first quarter alone, 10 scores and only two of them goals. Yet Collingwood will be kicking themselves. They didn't sneak it at the end. Yeah, 100%. Again, another fantastic game, Neil Bight and stuff. Like, but like we said, there were two kind of tactically minded teams. And I think and Brisbane, I suppose, showed it before. Uh, against Freo as well that you know they have the capability they kind of I suppose mark up teams and matchups uh, or they have very good you know matchups and who they put who on and I think 
maybe a few of the Collingwood players just didn't get it as easy as they did in other games and it kind of showed and um, like we said about the Brisbane defence like they, they were absolutely fantastic again at the weekend but when you see them way forwards at the just uh, nipping in and getting them scores whenever uh, you need the most I kind of think it did put Collingwood on the back foot a bit um, but like you said it was still nip and tuck and you know they could have Easily snuck it in that last few kicks of the the game, and again another good performance from Ashin Sheridan. It's just unfortunate that they didn't kind of see out the results then. Ashin Sheridan on the scoreboard, another brace as well. It was we have three teams yeah. in twenty four now. You'd imagine they're safe. The Dockers, the Lions, and the Magpies, the table up mm-hmm. on Sports Stars. Joanne, let's go on to um, our moment of the week. I'll tell you mine in a moment, but I want to hear yours first. Okay, well, mine was actually Aileen Gilroy's um, save on the line yeah, against uh, Kristen McLeod. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, even getting friendly with Maka, the caller, uh, through Ashing Sheridan and just kind of knowing how quick she is and then seeing Ashing come out of nowhere at the bottom, or Aileen coming out of nowhere at the bottom of the screen and just completely, I suppose, cleaning her out of it, really. I think she just kind of got a shock when she seen uh, Aileen coming. And um, I suppose a fantastic save on the on, on the side on the end line, like. But uh, that was definitely a moment of the week for me, you know. If there was ever proof how tough our footballers at home are, was that yeah. because even afterwards, when the contact was made, Aileen, it was like as though she didn't realise anything had happened. She just went to get the ball. I think kind of turned around. Oh, you're down. <laughs> I know. I know. She. She like. She's a tank. Like she is so solid. Like um, even the speed of her. Like. Jesus, all the Mayo one, you know, there could have been a few, even in the West Coast game, like the link ups between the Irish girls, like it's it's actually fantastic to watch and it's great to see them having such a massive impact on the game and putting their names out there, like so it's it's brilliant. And he was to talk as well, and so many people retweeting that since that was the moment of both our moments of the week. Uh-huh. Game of the week. Again, mine was probably between the, the Carlton Frio game and the Collingwood Brisbane game. Again, two very tight games that could have went either way and I think a wee bit more so the Carlton Freo because Carlton had the, a play a lot more for it. You know, they were depending on the win that wee bit more that it was just that wee bit more shocking. And unfortunate, I suppose, for them because they came that close. But yeah, that was probably, probably the game of the week for, for me now, yeah. I have to say for me, as, as tough as it was to result, it was probably the game of the competition, just the significance of it as well. Yeah. Like definitely up there with the kangaroos against the demons a few weeks back. We're agreeing with each other so far. How will we agree on player of the week? Mine probably this week. And I, I think you mentioned it before, but definitely deserve some recognition for our impact as well. And even like you said, I suppose the team shouldn't determine what your um, individual performance, I suppose, but I thought Neve Kelly was just outstanding at the weekend on her her link-ups, she's just one of them players that you're watching and you kind of be like, she was only down the field two minutes ago and she was, you know, back up the other end, either, you know, helping out in the fence, being that link-up player, getting, out, like, her speed, her read of the ball, even that ball that Ashin Sheridan kicked into her, that she just beat the defender for speed and got a goal straight away. It, it, she was very, very good to watch and it's just great to see her kind of building confidence each week and just kind of showing I suppose the potential that is uh, within the West Coast Club. Yeah, so it's. Uh, I think she definitely deserves recognition this week. 
before we came on air, myself and Joanne were talking about St. Patrick's Day and uh, points of Guinness, and we hope uh, you all had a great St. Patrick's Day on yesterday. But you'd probably be thinking that we're sitting down having a having a drink or two because we're agreeing with each other because I have it here in front of me too. I've also picked an Eve <laughs> Kelly from West Coast Eagles, like 18 disposals, two goals. Yeah. Of course, Grace gained two goals too. But of course, it'd be remiss. <laughs> Every week we seem to be talking about Cora. And, um, I know. After... Yeah. Four goals a few weeks ago. Didn't the Australian commentators right and wrong? She comes back again and scores a hat trick. And it takes an awful lot to beat Cora. But Neve, not just her performance alone in the big victory against Geelong Cats, but she was doing it back to back. And as uh, Joanne said, we probably didn't give her en- enough recognition before. A deserving pick as well. So I think it's the third time this year that we've agreed with each other, Joanne. But Neve Kelly is also my pick for Player of the Week. So that's two points for Neve Kelly. Very congested at the top of the leaderboard. You can see it on the article accompanying this podcast as well. Neve Kelly gets a selection from both Joanne and from Darren. Let's move on to the games this week. Uh, we, we've picked two games out. There's probably three in particular that you could really look at. But the first one we're going with is Saturday at 10 past six. Brisbane Lions against the North Melbourne Kangaroos. Kangaroos are back in form. Brisbane again showed their tactical uh, way that they managed to keep Chloe Malloy out of the game in particular the last day too. Brisbane are probably there. Not fully there yet. Kangaroos still need that one result to make sure that they're going to be in the final six. Yeah, 100%. I think uh, I think you suppose looking at the the leaderboard, you know, you'd think it'd be very hard for Brisbane now to fall out of the, the top six. But North, you know, they still could be kind of looking at their next few games. You know, they're still Fremantle to play after this. So, Two tough last round games that they, they do need to win, you know, I suppose, like you said, the ones below, you know, Melbourne coming up as well. It could be tit for tat for that kind of sixth place, but I still think North should be safe. I, I feel like, I suppose, I'm going into next week that regardless of the results, I, I would kind of say, oh God, it's still going to be such a good competition to watch, isn't it? Like you can't really pick and choose. But again, after, after last week's performance with Brisbane and I suppose you'd be kind of looking at North's performance all year that, you know, they've been showing glimpses, I suppose, of of how well they can play and how well they can kind of close teams down, like last week, for example. But then you've seen games that you'd think that they would walk away with. They kind of just didn't really show up. So I feel like they're definitely getting into fine form now and it, it would take a big ask for any team to beat them. But I feel like Brisbane are just kind of especially after the win. They're becoming unconfident after beating or breaking Collingwood's uh, streak there. So there'll definitely be a, a team to reckon with. And I think even they'll be pushing nearly one of the favourites for the finals this year. Like we've talked about the close games and there's another game we've talked about when we do our second one. before. the Kangaroos, in my uh, feeling... They got completely snuffed out of it against Collingwood a few weeks back. Now they've bounced mm-hmm. back. They've responded following two losses. But would it be fair to say that we might learn in this game, regardless of the results, how much the Kangaroos have learned from that Collingwood game? Yeah, definitely. I think it would be a, a telltale, you know, whether Brisbane get ahead at all, you know, will North kind of lie down? And I suppose, like you said, that Collingwood game was a massive shock and it kind of probably did knock them knock them back a bit but like you said since then they've kind of come back flying and they've kind of I suppose reconciled what they kind of had did wrong and they're kind of gelling that way better as a team at times you know they're they're very rash and they kind of don't nearly look as tactically as Brisbane do like 
there is kind of big balls forward, which it is in a lot of the games, but Brisbane seemed that way, but you know, everybody kind of knows their role and they're kind of all set out to do a certain thing. So it will be very interesting. Like you said, regardless of the result, it will be a big set in stone for the for the final six and kind of who they're going to get drawn against. So it'll be definitely good to see. Brisbane were deserving winners against Collingwood for the way they pretty much took Bree Davy and Chloe Malloy out of the contest. Mm-hmm. But the great thing for them too, Joanna, is that they they let Collingwood back in the team. They have a lot to take out of that match as well. They dug out the results. They held on to it maybe as a fair assessment. Yeah. Like, And they'll be looking at top two now as well. Could the scare they got at the end help the Lions like, maybe keep, keep their focus in? Yeah, I definitely think, uh, I, I suppose, even regard, regardless of what, game you play it's it's nearly sometimes hard chasing a lead like you are you know keeping a lead um especially against such a good team like Collingwood and you know it was very close you weren't kind of at any point thinking Brisbane's going to get away with this here so I definitely feel that yes it'll be confident it's a fantastic win to get but I don't think they're going to be complacent going into this round you know they still they still want to push on I think even you know it does determine I think the top two go straight through and the, the other four might play off. So it will be definitely interesting uh, that they'll be kind of trying to hold on for that uh, top two spot, I would say. So um, I think that'll be a massive goal for them this year. Brisbane are back at home after the venue was changed pretty much last minute last week. They did go to Collingwood, making it even more impressive, the results. Who's going to win this game? Brisbane continue their stroll towards the top or the, and the Kangaroos get that crucial result to guarantee their place? I feel like... North have a lot to play for more so than Brisbane, but I feel Brisbane's going to be very, very hard to beat uh, at the same time. So uh, I'll go for Brisbane for this week. Sorry, Aileen. Brisbane, <laughs> <laughs> Brisbane Lions getting the nod there. Aileen Gilroy will put in a player of the match performance despite us yeah. next week. Uh, the other game we're looking at is 10 past seven on Sunday morning. So, you know, it's, we might consider getting up for live with this one. The Fremantle Dockers against the Melbourne Demons. Before I talk about Melbourne, uh, you touched on it there as well. Are the Dockers that ruthless machine that you want to cheer against but still feel they'll be good enough to get the job done? Yeah, I feel like even there was a, a touch of it last year when we were out that Fremantle, I think the way that they had it, you know, obviously because they're up in Perth, they, they didn't play, I suppose, the the, the better teams as put uh, down in Melbourne. And I think... You know, now when it's coming back um, and it's coming to the to the last six, a few teams are kind of starting throwing up that they did get to play West Coast again. But they are that team that kind of are like, we're not afraid of anybody and, you know, let us prove to you that we're going to do this. So I think that's kind of the relentlessness showed at the weekend against Carlton and they kind of put down a marker for the rest of the, for the competition that they're not going to be easily kind of pushed over. But again, Melbourne... I have a lot more to play for than Freo do at this stage. So you're you're kind of thinking they're going to take a lot more. You've seen the hits that uh, goalie had at the weekend. I think it's going to be two fearless teams kind of going at each other. So it'll definitely be an interesting one. We were talking about Melbourne last week, like they were running the gauntlet with the games they had, and especially after a bit of bad form. But they did hit back a good victory, a good result as well, 43-15 against Adelaide. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I think I was definitely one shocked. I think Adelaide were kind of coming into themselves and they were getting in nice form uh, that I thought they were going to be uh, very hard to stop. Uh, their momentum was building up and especially after the performances of Melbourne the last few weeks. But I suppose when you're put, put uh, when your back's against the wall and you, it, these are must-win games, you know, 
either team's going to come out on top and kind of come out fighting or they just shy away and Melbourne definitely come out fighting and um, completely shut uh, Adelaide up. Like I said, the likes of Anne Hotchard, them ones that are, you know, massive high performers were very quiet. It was just unusual and they're just them well marked up and well matched up. I think they just kind of got the, the lane on the head with the Crows at the weekend and um, so we'll definitely be interesting to see this weekend, especially when I suppose Frio are they're kind of sitting top two. They mightn't care as much maybe I suppose about winning this as much as Melbourne do so it's definitely a must win again for them so for Frio, I don't think there's any dispute in Kira Bauer's consistency over the whole campaign so far. Like for that, she's an established name for Melbourne. Lauren McGee, I felt it was her best game of the year so far. She was getting a bit more time as well. She's really, you kind of wish she'd probably another five rounds now to really establish herself in this team. Yeah, I think it's so unfortunate whenever, I suppose at the time with the all Irelands and stuff that she, she didn't get that practice and Game time, it was so much different. I remember myself, you know, sometimes you can be kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm flying a train and this is great. And I remember coming off nearly crying after the first practice match because I was like, what the hell am I doing? I didn't have a clue. So it, it, I, I completely sympathise with her, although she seems to be, like you said, growing in confidence each week and just taking each game as it comes. And I think even looking at the other Irish girls, she can only kind of inspire them, kind of like, well, you know what, if they're doing it, I can do it. So uh, she should take away every compliment because she's, she is coming on each game and she seems to just be driving at it that way a bit more. And I suppose even looking at the likes of Goldie and how she attacks the ball, I think you can see that coming out in Lauren as well. So uh, it's brilliant to see. Hopefully she gets away with more game time, like you said. We certainly hope so as well. Um, who's going to win? Are the Dockers going to, like Brisbane, keep up on top or are the, have the Demons started their comeback? I like uh, a part of me that is kind of edging towards Melbourne this week. I just feel like Melbourne just is that kind of attitude where they, where they have to win and not um this could kind of push them that way before. Are you seen that three or definitely a beatable team, I suppose? So uh, you'd be looking and kind of thinking, look, well, Carlton nearly beat them, Melbourne beat Carlton. So you're kind of thinking, well, maybe this is a game for them to to take it. So I'm going to tip Melbourne this week, probably a wee bit controversial, but I'll, I'll go for that, Melbourne. Melbourne prediction there as well will certainly establish themselves in the top six if they get the results. Very quickly, Joanne, we'll run through the other five games. Uh, starting uh, Friday, 10 past six, the Gold Coast Suns against Carlton. You, you mentioned this earlier on. To give themselves an outside chance, Carlton have to put the boot down here. Yeah, definitely. I, I think they'll be, be looking at this. And again, like, I don't think they're in any position to be anywhere complacent. But at the same time, you'd be looking at this as definitely uh, an opportunity to get a win on the board and get themselves at least any chance of getting back into the top six. So, uh, yeah, I'd say Carlton come out top there. And of course, if Carlton are the giants we're going to talk about next, start to get back in the mix, the percentage score is going to be important. Ten past two on Saturday, the giant, the Greater Western Sydney Giants are away to Geelong Cats. Yeah, definitely another one of opportunity for the Giants as well to get them, get like you said, keep crawling back up that board. And again, like when you see coming against Geelong, you know, who have they even got a win this year at all? I don't think they have. You know that you'll be trying to get the scores up as much as possible to get that percentage up. So yeah, again, I go with Giants for this one, yeah. Probably a perfect game for Collingwood to bounce back from their first loss. St Kilda, their race is run after a fifth defeat. Collingwood at home against St Kilda at 10 past four on Saturday. 
Yeah, I think uh, I suppose I was a wee bit shocked at uh, how St Kilda kind of I suppose went down after a really good opening campaign. But yeah, I'd say Collingwood will be fighting to get back at it. Um, so yeah, again, I'll go with Carkin for this one. If there's been a bottom four in this competition, well, this is the game to decide the winners of that competition. Richmond Tigers have a two wins. West Coast Eagles have yeah. a two wins. They play on Sunday at one forty. I think this will actually be a really, really good game to to watch. Actually, Richmond, like you said, have just been seemingly coming into into the groove a wee bit more. But I feel like a lot does go through the likes of uh, Katie Brennan. So I feel if West Coast can stop her, there's definitely another opportunity for them to get this third win. So I'm going to go stick with the Irish girls and go with uh, West Coast uh, this one. And they have been leading the charge for West Coast. I deliberately left this one to last. It was hard to leave this out of our feature too. Uh, Adelaide against the Western Bulldogs. We just talked about Adelaide's loss to the Demons. The Bulldogs clinging on. Now they're, they're on 16 points. They still have a, a decent chance here, but they're looking for two wins and the first one has to come on Sunday. 5-10 Adelaide against Bulldogs. Yeah, again, like you said, you know, something about teams that, you know, when they're, they're back against the wall and Bulldogs are, you know, I think we kind of talk a lot about Carlton coming back up, but Bulldogs have any chance of getting into that top six as they do. So again, after Adelaide's heavy defeat last week, they'll be kind of looking to push on. And it's, it's very, both of these are kind of must-win games for both of these teams. So it's going kind to of be very, very hard to to tell, but I, I feel like Adelaide will just uh, come out on top. I feel like they have a lot of experience, but you know, I, I feel like maybe hopefully I'm wrong, but no, I think it'll be a very good game to watch as well. So, and that was Joanne Doonan previewing round eight of the AFL Women's Series with us. And congratulations to Neve Kelly, who is both our pick for Irish Player of the Week. Let's look at the fixtures for this weekend. Starting tomorrow, 6.10am Irish time, Gold Coast Suns versus the Carlton Blues. Then there's three games on Saturday, 2.10am, Geelong Cats take on the Greater Western Sydney Giants. Collingwood looking to get back to winning ways when they host St Kilda at 4.10am. And then one of our featured games, Brisbane Lions against the North Melbourne Kangaroos, Orla O'Dwyer versus Aileen Gilroy. That's at 10 past six in the morning. And then three more games on Sunday, Richmond Tigers host the West Coast Eagles, 1.40am. Some of you might fancy staying up late for that one. Adelaide Crows against the Western Bulldogs at 5.10am. And then finishing up with the other game we featured, the Fremantle Dockers against the Melbourne Demons, 10 past seven in the morning on Sunday. Worth getting up early for, I would feel. Thank you very much to Joanne for joining us and also earlier on the new LGFA president, Michal Nocton, who chatted to us as well. That's it for the show this week. Just to let you know, this week's guest on the fair green is Kerry defender Kira Murphy, the Sports Stars Footballer of the Year. Make sure you check out the show. We'll be back again next week where we have news on return to play. Who knows? We will be talking AFL as it gets down to the final round robin phase and we find out the last six players will have updates on games from AFL the weekend including Brisbane against the North Melbourne and Fremantle against the Melbourne Demons that's it for this week hope you enjoyed the show I'm Darren Kelly and this was Sports Stats Football